Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Father, again, we do just simply give you all the praise and the glory for the great things you're doing and for the great things you're planning for all of us in the name of the Lord, the Lamb of God, Jesus. Father, you are altogether good, altogether merciful, altogether faithful, altogether beautiful, altogether mighty. You are Almighty God. You are El Elyon. You are El Shaddai. You are all of these truths. You are Jehovah Rapha for sure. And we give you praise this morning, Father. And we do thank you, Father, for your glory manifesting in your house, in every temple of the Holy Ghost that each of these people are. And oh God, I am so grateful for your work. I'm so grateful for what you're doing. I'm so grateful just to be watching and hearing and listening. I'm so, so grateful, Father. And we just thank you, Father. There is so much ahead of us at such a time as this. You're doing this. You're doing this at such a time as this. And you never do something like this unless there's an acute reason for it. So again, as I've said for years, may we continue to be expectant. May we really, truly be expectant. Be expectant. I'm expecting your power to manifest mightily. I am expecting the fullness of the gifts of the Spirit to just explode in this fellowship. I really am. I expect it to explode in the lives of our people wherever they are, not just here in this building. I do. I thank you, Father, for all of the gifts of the Holy Ghost manifesting in every one of our people. Those which you have determined to use out in these places, I thank you that a boldness from heaven will come upon them. I thank you that there will be indeed no fear whatsoever that they will know I'm here in your name. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. I'm here for only you. And you can use me any way you want to. Here I am. Here I am, Lord. I think that becomes the cry of every one of our hearts. So, man, I just praise you, Father. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, I don't know what to do now. You guys talking about all this power of the Spirit, and I'm a teacher. So, you know, hallelujah. So I don't know what else to do but follow what he's anointed me to do. But, uh, you know, like I said, I really was hoping this was going to be shorter, but I don't know. God's good. Hi, David. Depot, don't let me forget, I need you to sign something in my briefcase, okay? Just about all that five, five billion pounds that, you know, that you're talking about. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, I'm going to talk a little bit about why I continue on this thing about righteousness. So don't panic, don't throw rocks at me, okay? But if I called, if I titled this anything, I would call it living the life, the life, the life. Um, the reason I am talking so much about righteousness, as I think I mentioned it on Wednesday night, is you've got to really catch this. I'm really praying that the Holy Spirit will have let you have ears to hear this morning. Um, belief produces behavior. Okay? Ultimately, what you believe will produce behavior. If people say they believe something and don't do it, then they don't believe. 
It's like you say, I, like I was listening to this guy the other day, he said, he, this guy told me, he said, I believe in tithing, I just don't do it. And he said, well, I looked at him and said, well, then, you know, you don't believe it. That's just actually a lie. You don't believe it because, you know, do you believe in bathing? You know what I mean? You know, but I, yeah, I do, but I don't do it. <laughs> belief, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> belief produces behavior. And you've heard me say over and over again, teaching on righteousness, that we're not righteous based upon our behavior, haven't you? But based upon the behavior of Jesus. But one of the things I've got to make sure I don't make a mistake in is this, is for you to understand that your behavior is still important, vitally important. And the reason is, is because, of course, of eternity, you know, um, the Bible, I think Deji shared some of it one time, you know, the Bible talks about in Revelation, the books. The, oh, there's books, then there's the book. There's the book of life. You know, when you're born again, your name is written in the book of life. Hallelujah. But then there's all the books, and the books include all of our works. Right? The books include all of our works. And it's just that some people don't realize that you will be judged, right? And, you know, the Bible says each and every one of us will appear in either one or two places. Now, if we're born, I'm trusting everybody in here is born again. So if you're born again, you appear before what? The judgment seat of Christ, which is basically a rewards banquet. Jesus says in several passages, when he comes, he's coming with his reward, right? Um, and, you know, and I think Daddy shared at that time, too, the same thing. Remember, if any man's work, you know, he lists three things that are nouns, you know, gold, silver, and precious jewels. If those are on there, they're tried, they won't be burned up in fire, but wood, hay, and straw, those things, if any of those works, they'll be burned up by the fire. So there's a fire, and there's a judgment. And the thing is, there's degrees in heaven. There's degrees in hell. Remember when he said when Jesus really was fed up with Chorazin, Bethesda, and, uh, you know, Capernaum, Capernaum is how they actually pronounce it. He said it would have been, it will be more tolerable, think about that, it'll be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah than for you. Now think, in other words, he's saying, he means that Jesus is absolute truth, right? So he wasn't just suggesting, he knows it would have been more tolerable. In other words, he's saying, you know what? Sodom's going to be judged less than you. You got to think on that, but I don't have time to go through it. But I just want you. There's degrees in hell. There's degrees in heaven. Now, yeah, you know, even if all of our works are wood, hay, and, and uh, straw, like it says, it says we'll be saved as though by fire. But we'll be saved. But behavior determines position. Behavior determines rewards. And I'm just saying that. Like, I don't have time to really push that out and get it to where it will mean as much as it can mean to you. But I just want to say this thing. The reason I'm harping on righteousness is because if you believe that you're right with God, that belief will produce magnificent behavior. That, produce, that, beha that belief will actually produce the strength, the power, the sensitivity to the Holy Spirit that we all long for. It really will. It's not a light matter. And too many of us that have been brought up in the faith message, again, we all know how to say that. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen. It's good that you know how to say that. But are we really bearing the fruit of righteousness, 
Or are we just saying the verse, which is good to say? But I'm just, there's so much more to it. So this is why I wanted to come to this thing. Though I, I said, Lord, what? how do I communicate what I... And he gave me this kind of convoluted way to come around something. So I, whatever, I just put some stuff together here. We'll see, and I will do my... Actually, I'll try to read more, like I've said a thousand times before, so that I don't just keep going forever. But I don't think... We understand what it means to have been made his righteousness. And the way he told me to approach it is to look at life. Now, we, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that we who believe on him might not perish, but be what? Granted everlasting life. I think when people read that, life, they think about just like an animal, a breath. You, Jesus came that we might have life. Uh, in other words, people don't realize what's be, really being said here. He didn't come that you just might be a breathing animal. It really says he came to bring you the life. There's life, and then there's the life. Now, again, I'm trusting God. Only His Spirit can really get this to your spirit. And He came to give you a life that is far more abundant than just your breath. We know, like in Ephesians, what it, you know, to understand, He gave us not the life of Christ. He gave us the very life of Christ. You parse that in the Greek. It's so true. He came to give us the life, the life, the life of Christ, that which made him God. I said that which made him God is what he came to give us. Not just breath, not just so we can say I'm saved. You have been imbued with, endued with, you've been given the life of God. You say, I already know that. No, you don't, because otherwise your behavior would be different. You've been given the life of God. Brand new, zoe, is it in the Greek, of course, life. Life. You have the life of God in you. That life is what's produced this right standing with God. You have right standing with God. You've got the life of God. So I, I, you know, I, he told me to go all the way back and look at Adam and look at the succession of some of the sons of Adam, the sons of the people back then. So, uh, you know, Adam, it says in the garden, when you look in Genesis 2, remember it says this, when God gave them instruction about the trees. Now, I hope you stay with me here because actually you can miss this so easily. Um, he said, the day that you eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what will happen? It says, you will surely die, it says in the King James. But remember what it says in the actual Aramaic. It says, dying, you shall die. Right? You've just opened up dying. Right? You've just opened up dying. 
Now, I've shared this before, but uh, yeah, go ahead and put the first slide up, if you will. I, I can't see it from here, but I'm sure you will, Ann. I wanted you to look at some of these numbers again. You've seen them before, but let's look at this. Now, uh, now they're up there right now. Adam lived 930 years. You need to think, I said 930 years. Can you remember something you did 20 years ago? Can you remember something you did 20 years ago? All right, you can. We can. I can remember things I did 20 years ago. Some things I don't wish I could remember. <laughs> but seriously, I need you to stay with me just for a little bit. Think about being, say, 570 years old. And looking back when you were just 300. <laughs> I mean, 300 years later. Well, so anyhow, let me keep going like this. So, and Seth, he gave birth to Seth when he was around 180. And Seth lived 912 years. Now, there's a point to my madness. Just stay with me. Seth, this son, after Cain killed... Uh, Abel. Seth lived 912 years. Nine, I mean, this was normal. 912, 900, you see, you don't, we say that so glibly. 900 years. I mean, this, the history of England, go back 900 years. Go back 900 years. I don't even know where that puts us in England's history. And think about you were there then, and you're here now, and you've seen all the technological advancement in humanity. And you can remember this from 900 years ago. 900 years. 900 years. Enosh, Seth's son, lives 905 years. He gives birth to Kenan. Kenan lives 910 years. Kenan gives birth to Mahaliel, who lives 895 years. He fell short. He was a youngster. <laughs> Mahaliel gives birth to Jared. Jared lived 962 years. Enoch was born at the age of, well, Jared birthed Enoch when he was 162. Again, I just put a couple of things in there because, you know, think about ladies being 162 years old and your man looking at you going. <laughs> what was in these people? See, I'm, this is what I'm, I'm trying to get you to catch something here. I'm not trying to be comical. What was in man that God put in man in the garden? 900 years, 900 years, again and again and again and again. Enoch, of course, only lived 365 years because God took him to heaven. Enoch gave birth to Methuselah, of course, the oldest man in the Bible, 969 years old. His first child was the age of 187. I mean, you know, I'm 75, and I can feel it. <laughs> I can. I'm telling you the truth. I can feel it. Man, can I feel it. 
I told somebody this morning, I looked in the mirror this morning, I went, my God, aging is a real thing. <laughs> First child, 187 years old, still have their, their strength. Methuselah gives birth to Lamech. Lamech lived 777 years. 182 years old when his first child was born. And Noah, Noah's a trip. Noah lived 950 years. But listen to this. He was 600 years old when the flood came. Now, the guy that builds the ark, we don't, it doesn't tell us how long it took him to build the ark. But let's give him the opportunity to say he's just, he's only, he's a youngster, he's only 500. He's only 500 years old. And he is, and he and his sons, well, let me read the rest of this. Noah's, he's 600 years old when the flood came. He lives another 300 years after the flood, but it, it was at the age, the Bible said, he was 500 years old when he births his sons. Uh, I'm sorry, but that impresses me. 500 500 years. And man is still able to procreate. Man is still able to give birth. Man is able to still inseminate his wives. 500 years. Some of us are panicking when we get to 40. <laughs> trying to be very careful here. <laughs> At 500 years old, he births his first three sons. Now, it's just as a, I've shared this before, but if I had the time to go, I want you to think, Adam lives 930 years, right? Seth, Enoch, you go on down the line. When you actually study this out, you find out that around, say, 20, let's say 20 years before Adam dies, he's only 910 He's able to talk to Enoch. He was born almost a thousand years later. A man a thousand years later is able to talk to the man who walked in the cool of the garden with God. First hand. He hears first hand. He hears first hand. You walked with God? Yeah. You study the rest of it, and you get all the way up to Noah, and you find out, you get, when you, get, you carry this thing, you can find out that another 900 years, you've got someone else, you've got someone else that knows Methuselah, who knew Adam. I mean, it's in there. You can search it out for yourself. So in a, almost a 2,000-year period, you've got a guy that can basically have first-hand knowledge of Adam. Do you understand how powerful that is? Almost 2,000 years, basically, it works out to about 1,910, they say. But you've got somebody here who's been talked to by the guy who sat around the fire with Adam. Almost 2,000 years later, you're sitting with the guy. It's not, you know, you're t listening to somebody who was there that sat with Adam around the fire, had lamb chops together. So that astounds me. Yeah, this is the point I'm trying to get to about the life. The life that was in them was so powerful. 
And the way the Lord told me to say was this, he said, remind them that when he ate of that, I told him dying, he would die. And he said, what I want my people to know about righteousness is that once you actually believe it, living, you shall live. See, we're living, but we haven't lived to the extent he knows life. These men, I mean, and this is the way it was taught me 30 years ago, and I don't think it would be said any different. There was so much God. I mean, remember when the Bible says that God made man in his image and in his likeness? One of the best theological study books about that shares something that to me has always been so profound when I used to teach on Bible schools. It said God didn't, the Hebrew says God did not make man to be representative but representational of God. We're not just to be his ambassador, though in the New Testament we're the ambassadors of Christ. We are to be a representation. If you've seen me. Now that, it, see, this is what I'm getting at. That's his original intent. You always go back to first mention. This is his original intent. I said this is his original intent. So much life was in these first men that the body wouldn't die. The body had to learn how to die. In the garden before the fall, listen, there was no, was there any consciousness of sin? How could there be? Not because it didn't exist. It, there was simply no, no concept of sin, no concept of unrighteousness. I mean, they walked with God in the cool of the day. We don't know how long that took place, do we? We don't know. It could have been for centuries. We don't know. To walk with God... To walk with God, to walk with God, no sense of shame, no sense of anything that has any. What is what is what is sin? What is what what what? They would have had no no reference point at all, right? I mean, nothing, nothing. So men's bodies over some two thousand years had to learn how to die because the effect of that life is so much more powerful than the power of sin. Yeah. <laughs> You've received the life of God. And here comes the question that ultimately everybody has to, as an individual, ask themselves. The work of the cross of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the very Son of God, who came and, to, and he gave, again, Ephesians, gave us the very life of Christ himself. Now, the work of Jesus, I want just think on it, the work of Jesus. What did the work of Jesus produce? Was it just to forgive us our sins? No. Again, I've already said it. He came that we might have his life. Do you think his life is any less than the life that Adam had before the fall? Listen. Are you listening? 
Jesus is God in the flesh. That's pure life. Pure life. Pure life. Pure life. And we've been given the pure, the pure the life of Christ. And that makes us right. Makes us righteous. But one of the things that revolutionizes your entire life and your entire belief system is when you are able to answer this question. Does the work of Jesus restore us to a level less than Adam? Or equal to Adam? You have to answer that yourself. Him going to the cross, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Him going to the cross is the most phenomenal sacrifice the earth has ever seen. And you've all heard the truth. Sacrifice releases power, right? The bigger the sacrifice, the greater the release of power. That sacrifice released so much power that it altered the earth, it altered the atmosphere, and it totally alters anyone who believes on the work, doesn't it? He just shared, you become a brand new person. You become brand new. I want you to go away this week and think about it, because I know, I really do know from personal experience, the doubts that will come. But you have to really say, you know, all the Bible does is talk about how good he is. How good is God? Does God know our frame? This is what I'm trying to say, why belief produces behavior. You, listen, you have to have revelation. If you don't have revelation, all you'll have is captivity. First Corinthians 15:34 Awake unto righteousness and sin not. When you awaken, actually awaken, I am the righteousness of God. The power of sin's attraction is broken. But then he goes on to say this. He said, I say this to your shame. Now listen, I say this to your shame for some of you don't recognize the presence of God. We don't really recognize what's happened. And it all comes back to, yes, who we are in Christ. It took man 900 years for the body to learn how to die. That just astounds me. I could go on and on. The scepter, the scepter of his kingdom is a scepter of righteousness. Now, you know, you know about kings and you've heard about scepters, but scepter, a scepter, if you studied it, speaks, it's the absolute emblem, it's, excuse me, it's the emblem of absolute authority, the emblem of absolute authority and position. God's scepter is righteousness. Righteousness is that which makes the ruling. 
that scepter stretched out, like with Esther, I mean like with Ruth, that scepter's stretched out, and you're either disallowed or allowed. But it all comes down to knowing that scepter, the strength, the power of authority, is his righteousness. And see, I'm trying to beat this drum because if I can get you to dare to begin to believe that you are the righteousness of God, ultimately there will be the production of not only just good behavior, but incredible power from heaven. Because it's his righteousness. It's his life <clears throat> now being allowed a flow through you. His life. Think on these guys. 900 years. I just can't get away from that. It just hit over and over. And Noah, 500 years old, birthing three children. We just read that stuff and kind of smile. But it hits me deep. It just... We have no comprehension of such a thing. I mean, how can we? How can we? I mean, that's why God, it's actually a lament when God says man's days will be, you know, maybe 120 years if by right, you know, because, you know, basically going to be 80 some years old because of man's sin. What the power of sin brought us from 900 years down to 75, 80. Sin. The power of just deception, the power of deception diminished our lives by 90% at least minimum. 90% minimum from 900 years to 90 years, something like that. I mean, you know, don't get all academic and mathematician on me. Think about that. But does the sacrifice of Jesus restore us to the position man had before the fall? <laughs> I'm just going to sit here and smile. I want you to ponder on that. Because if you're able to say yes, man, you won't have to pray for faith. You won't find yourself beleaguering heaven for greater boldness. I'm a son of God. I am a son of God. The only God. And he, by his incredible grace and wisdom, has authorized you and authorized me to act in his stead. Behold, I give you authority on heaven and on earth. All authority in heaven and earth is given unto me, and therefore I say unto you, go. Take this, the freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received, freely give. You can't earn the authority. You receive it by faith in Christ. But see, we've just, we, I, I, I just hope you're, you're listening a little bit to what I'm trying to communicate about the depth of this life. In him was life, John, the first chapter, verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. The light 
in him was life. See, not just breath, the life of God. He was God. But that life is what lights us. That really hit me because just six days ago, I watched a special about, it was actually about abortion, and it was showing these latest scientific, um, these guys taking, let me just cut to the chase, they have these, like, I don't know how many millions of a millisecond of frames, camera, video. They actually have a video of a male sperm at the very moment that the female egg is generated when they come together. And they say, there's one thing we can't explain. And they show it on the, and there's a little video, and they show it. There's a blast of white light. They show this little, and listen, check it out. Those, when the sperm, when it's actually when creation takes place, put a man's sperm and a woman's egg, there's this flash of light. And they say, we don't know what that is. And I said, I do. <laughs> That's God. Think about how powerful that is. That's God putting his life at the point, the very point of conception. And not just any old life, life. I serve a huge God. You serve a God that is beyond, it, it's, he is beyond the scope of our comprehension. But that doesn't mean, like it says, his thoughts can't become our thoughts. So I'm just saying this morning, I, please, don't just mimic the truth of righteousness, but ask the great teacher, ask the great teacher, the Holy Spirit, to begin to unveil some of these truths. You know, the Bible says that they who truly reverence and fear the Lord, he will show the deep, the hidden, and the secret meanings of his covenant. There's depths and depths and depths and depths of God. And you all know in Proverbs over and over again, it says, if you will seek him as hid treasure, there has to be something in you that is a passion that can't be explained. Like in the old days, like in the, I think in America's history, the great gold rush in 1849, you know, these people had such a passion to get gold. They sell everything, lose everything just because, you know, no, I've got to have gold. And I'm just trying to say there's, if you, I just, if you just, well, you just got to have God. You sell everything. Doesn't that sound a little bit like something Jesus said? You sell everything. Why would you do that? Because you sense the value of what you're seeking. You have this sense that what if I find it, it answers everything. If I find this, it answers everything. No more shadows. The perfect day. Barbers. Perfect day means no more shadows. We're approaching the perfect day. No more shadows. All that is hidden will be revealed. So if somehow we can believe the length, the height, the breadth, the depth of his love and his righteousness, what we're really saying, this life that's been given to us, this life, what this life actually looks like, 
this life that took men 900 years again and 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 again before their body knew how to die. That life is in us. But this body suffers now the effect of mankind's absolute rejection of God over thousands of years. That's why the earth is what it is. That's why the human bodies last as long as they do. There's a whole other message, but it's all right there. It's all right there. The why. And of course, that's in some of the scripture where God's dealing with Moses and the rest of them about all the situation, just the sin. Sin. But see, again, okay, yes, amen to that. But Jesus, the, that's why God so loved us. He said, I'm going to deal with sin once and for all. I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to send my son. That whosoever, whosoever believes on him, believes and doesn't work, doesn't slave for it. I love him so much, I'm only going to ask him to believe. I love him so much. I'm only asking them to believe. If you believe on my son, you will not perish. But you shall have a whole brand new life. A life, not breath. Not just the ability to be animated and move around. No, you're going to inherit now, while you're on the earth, a life feed a life that actually flows from heaven itself, that heaven is full of. Heaven is full of my life. And I'm putting heaven in you. So, 1 Corinthians 4, 4 says, the God of this world does everything he can to blind the eyes of us so that we might not see the glorious light of this good news, that this is what Jesus has done for us. Living, you will learn to live. Living, we're going to learn to live. In other words, what he calls living. What does he call living? I don't think I want to say anything else. I don't know. Well, let me look here for a moment. Well, I just wrote a couple of these little simple things down. I more or less said them before, but again, why righteousness? Well, one of the things you have to understand is that when God leads you, Listen, when God leads you, when God leads you, he leads you into things that you can't do. Without him. You have, in other words, but see, that's why, you know, I, the Lord said, so I'm going to do it. And everybody around you will say, but you can't do it. Because you don't have this, you don't have that, you don't have this. No. God did this. Moses was delivering Israel. Moses, there's no way Moses could do that. Gideon against Israel's enemies. Joshua and Jericho. 
His only job was to walk around and shout when God told him to. Did you hear me? Only job he had was the only job he had was walk around, just walk. It's one of the greatest walled cities in ancient times. I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to deliver it into your hands. Just walk around it seven times. You, seriously, you, people are people. You can imagine the guys looking at each other. Here we go. Let's get ready for a walk. You know. <laughs> One day. Two days. It reminds me of naming the same thing. Go jump in a river. You'll be healed of your leprosy. You know, that's, no, that's stupid. So you have to learn how not to be bothered by the bigness of the issue. 1 Samuel 14, 6, it's not a big issue with God to save by many or by few. And I see all of this begins to happen because of the revelation of right standing, righteousness. God's life is in me. I'm not hindered. Remember what it says in the Psalms, they limited the Holy One of Israel. How do you, you can limit God? Yeah, you can. You say, well, God can do anything once. No, you limit Him by what you believe. That's why He wants big thinkers. He doesn't really deal, He doesn't need to be that involved with small things. But fear, it's about fear. But again, where there's righteousness, it destroys fear because righteousness comes through love and you know less of the scriptures. His righteousness is his blessing upon you as his children. And his blessing, I'm going to try to finish now. I really am. Thank God. Hallelujah. It's all right. But I haven't been here a week, so I get to, I'm going to make talk for another three. No, but something actually, I'd like Deji to teach on it. I can teach on I don't think we've ever really taught on the blessing of Abraham. The blessing of Abraham's on us now. Let me tell you, when Jacob blessed, I mean, excuse me, when, uh, yeah, when Jacob blessed his, uh, what's his name? <laughs> who, who blessed Esau and blessed Jacob and not Esau? Isaac. Isaac. Uh, I'm, I'm still learning the Bible. <laughs> It's far more profound than anybody can come from. When, he, when Isaac blessed Jacob, and you all remember when Esau came back, I went, no, well, well, bless me, bless me. What did Isaac say? I can't. Because once the blessing is given, it's giving. Once a God-ordained blessing is given, it cannot be revoked. It cannot. See, and the blessing that's on Abraham is on you and I. Now, some of you have never, you don't really even know what, quote-unquote, the blessing of Abraham, what they are. But I'm going to let Deji teach on that one day. Deji's going to start studying that over the next three months. <laughs> David, you can too. I see you smiling at him. <laughs> and Abby. And David. Four parts. Four parts. <laughs> Good one. All right, I like that. Now, it'll take a lot more than four, believe me. I've taught it in Bible school. Taught it for 10 weeks. His righteousness is his blessing upon you, and it cannot be revoked. 
So we do need to learn to speak it again and again, because ultimately, again, and I said this on the Wednesday night Bible, so just for a moment, I was only there for a minute, one of, and this is something the Lord reminded me of the other day, and somebody else said it and remind, remind me of it. I was taught this years ago, remember about words, remember this about words. Before words were ever used for communication, they were used to create. The initial purpose of words that has never changed is to create. You need to think about that because they still do it today, don't they? We all know that. I don't have to go to all the scriptures. So you're the righteousness of God. If you begin to say that from a place of revelation from your heart, you are creating that which will cause you to succeed. I don't care what comes. You will have a peace. You know, the fruit, the effect of righteousness is peace. You know, we, I shared on that before. We, I'm going to read this anyhow, then I will shut up. We must remember, and this is something, oh my God, I could go into a whole other hour and a half literally about this. But the thing is, when I got done studying this again, I just got frustrated because I was thinking about this world just literally sucks us into the vacuum of living by its system. And you've got to understand, we as children of God were never meant to live under the system of this world. In other words, it's like the basics. Your employment was never meant to be your provider. But there's that innate something in people. If you consider your employment your provider, you are short-circuiting God's ability to do what He wants to do. Only God is our provider, and God comes to rip us out of this system because we're to function in the system of the kingdom of God. We must remember God never intended for us to live according to the world system. Everything around you is designed for you to live by its system, whether finance, health, Government, education, we, however, are called of God to live by a wholly different system, almighty God's system. I'm done. No, 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 no. I think, though, just for even though it's... Uh, it's 115. <clears throat> I just want to look. I think I just want this to kind of soak in for a minute, okay? Can we just, just let me have about 30, 60 seconds of silence here. The life of God, 900 years. In challenge, we used to sing an old song. Says, "I've got the life of God in me. I've got the life of God in me. His power, His love, and His authority 
I've got the life of God in me. I've got the life of God in me. Say that for about four hours a day and see what begins to happen. I have the life of God. I have the life of God. And this, 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 this is, this, uh, please, I, I'm trying to shut up. I don't care, though. You see, what does all what's what is one just what's just one just one aspect of what this will produce? I'll ask you another question and you can answer yes or no. Is God still creative? <laughs> is God still a creator? Well then all of the all I said then all uh, all all that creativity is in you. All. All. Welcome it. Welcome it. <coughs> Welcome it. Welcome it. All the books that haven't been written, all the inventions that haven't been discovered, all the wealth that's still hidden, songs, all of it. It amazes me. The same creator. We look at Saturn, Venus, Mars, I mean, he did that. He did that. He did that, and he, he's in me. We will not limit you. What I'm trying to say and establish over this church, fathers, in the holy name of Jesus, we will look for anything that may be limiting you, and we say no to it. <laughs> Even as Deji prayed about deliverance, which is, chimes perfectly along with us. We say no to anything and everything that would limit us. <laughs> We will not limit the Holy One who has made us holy in Christ. Hallelujah. Pray in tongues with me just for a moment. Shumavara katine shtebla varad waligot subrukumata bafakin and eshtati tatekra. Shubalats prefer the Malewali tikraton keretapa koitene eshtibovo kotem shtapla rapinana. Spirit of the living God, seriously, fall afresh on us. Subawi kindi woke nuts, alak etulole bereteri brafsima. Shimadashweto kotaladabakrata, deep calls unto deep. You said, Sokrati makratina krotom. I want to know some of these secret, deep, hidden things of your covenant. Because I know it all leads to the salvation of the lost. Shemalavia tala krotomalishima de dumumano kompraka. 
Daliatsi Kratoma, Olekirits, the Proforo Konde Balakam, Paliandek, Restepoloko, Rushtebela, Vratine Baloko Taradaba. Numalavidia, Shikilum of Ratin and Avokrata, Mikeridash, Totolum Ratin, Malayati de Kabala. Hallelujah, Sumalavari Dabarak in the Baliatsi Kratom, no prek, Maravalikindi Biriasi. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. I want to uh, let me just give one other little to me. I'm hoping is a word of encouragement, even like this right here, right now. See, I was blessed to have some incredible teachers. I was just blessed to have some incredible teachers who demonstrated the power of God in many different diverse ways. But I want to tell you something like I've said, you know, this tongues things, please don't let it just be a once in a while thing. You have to understand. Please listen to me. I, you know, if language, when you go to another nation, you begin to learn a language. It's your decision whether or not you become more fluent in it. Because if you become more fluent in it, you can live better in that nation. The kingdom of heaven has a language. All I know is this. I can tell, and this is, please don't misunderstand me. But I'm, I am your pastor at this moment. And, and this is not a rebuke. It's just an, it's just an observation. Many of you are, very, are not very fluent in tongues at all, at all. And again, this is not a rebuke. But because you're not very fluent in tongues, you don't really understand heaven very well. I mean, nowhere near as much as you could. I'm just saying it's it's available, but you have to lean into his instructions. Tongues is not just something that we talk about once a year. It is a heavenly language. I said it is a heavenly language. And indeed, as you, David said, Philippa was trying to judge things a bit theologically or making sure it was correct. No. But uh, you, you need to... We, you know, he that prays in an unknown tongue should pray that he might be able to interpret. But there are gifts. Some people, like when I grew up in the first church, and we had a guy named Kerry Bowles. His gift was tongues. I mean, giving tongues. When he'd give a tongue, it was the most, I don't know how to say it. It's just, I, I couldn't interpret it, but I'm just saying it was like a perfect language. I don't know. I mean, it was so supernatural. Everybody just shivered because you could tell how supernatural it was. I mean, there are some people that actually have that gift and don't interpret. There's, you know, because God's he's a big God. It's all cool. It's all right. You know what I mean? He's not like that. He's not some legalistic God. But I'm saying all of us, he says, as just individuals in our own private prayer language, pray that you might interpret. I, you know what that makes me think? You might be able to interpret it. And you know what you're interpreting? Uh, I think it might be God's will. Because it's God. I said it's God. And I, I, when I, I, I teach on tongues every week. But I always love the fact, like I said, you know, Paul, as you, how many times have you heard me say this? Paul, the author, basically two-thirds of the New Testament, upon, we, upon which, upon which, upon which we derive some 90% of our revelation, of Jesus Christ and what it means to be a new creation, was written by a man who spoke in tongues more than them all. And was written by a man who said and told us, pray that you might interpret. Do you think maybe he did that for himself? Just maybe? Where did he learn that? 
just maybe. <laughs> Hallelujah. I got to shut up, don't I? <laughs> Father, again, this is an incredible thing. You're doing something so special in this group. Uh, and all I know to say is thank you. And I just continue to say, let it happen. Let it happen. We give you full reign. Like David said, it's so true. It is. It's all about you, Holy Ghost. It's all about Jesus. It's all about letting you reign here. This is your church. I say it from the position that you put me in, but I say it, and I know everybody else says it too. We all declare this is your church. This is definitely not Rod's church. This is your church. This is your church. Therefore, we will do everything I can every week to hear from you. Let it be different. Let it be whatever you want. It's you. You do it. We will not. But I'm so glad that David shares what he said. We will not try to force anything to happen in the name of Jesus. Either you're here or you're not. Either it's the moment to preach or it isn't. Either it's the moment to speak or it isn't. Either it's the moment to praise or it isn't. It's okay. If you want us to sit and be absolutely quiet for an hour and a half, I'll do it. I don't have any problem. So, thank you. Amen. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 